You're listening to the Harmonizing Her podcast, where ambition finds its perfect rhythm. The show for the multifaceted, multi-passionate woman who's ready to harmonize all parts of herself. Let's get right into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Harmonizing Her podcast. We are going to have a really fun conversation this week because this conversation was facilitated by all of you. Last week, I went to my Instagram stories and I asked you guys, what do you want to talk about? What kind of conversations do we want to have on the Harmonizing Her podcast? And I got so many requests to talk about money mindset and wealth embodiment and wealth energetics. And so I popped up a questions box and I said, what questions do you have when it comes to money and wealth and energetics and all the things? And I got so many great questions that came through. So think of this episode like a money mindset Q&A led by you. So I have the list of questions here. And the first question was, how do I not feel anxious around charging a lot, a lot being in air quotes, a lot of money? Do you ever feel like you have to deliver results for people because you're charging a lot of money? And when I read this, when it came in the questions box, the first thing that popped into my mind was, well, I'm not charging a lot of money. That's not like the language and the terminology of how I see the situation. The words that come to mind instead is correct. I'm charging what's correct or aligned for the exchange at hand, whether it's an exchange of content, an exchange of time, I'm giving value, I'm giving resources, I'm giving coaching, whatever the exchange might be, I choose the number that feels appropriate and aligned and correct for me based on whatever that exchange might be, right? And so, you know, pricing a digital course or a passive offer is a little bit easier because it can be a little bit more like formulaic where there's like, okay, there's this modules and it's this value and we kind of reverse engineer the price and that is kind of like over here. But then we have coaching or services or more hands-on support, hands-on packages. And that is where it's really, really important to be mindful of your rates, your pricing strategy, but beyond just the strategy of your prices, how they feel to you. And this is gonna be like an underlying theme I think that comes up in the whole episode is it's a disservice to you and it's a disservice to the people you're working with when you undercharge and undercut yourself and you feel really sticky energy and you feel blurry lines and you feel resentment and then you're kicking yourself because I should have charged higher and then it's like the mindset spiral, but would someone have paid more and do I have to charge this to give this? When you get into situations where you put prices out there and people buy and then you get into the dynamic in the relationship and all of a sudden things aren't feeling good to you, that's an indicator that your pricing is super out of alignment. Now part of that is having discernment and just being really in touch with yourself as you're creating and pricing your offers. And another part of that is experience. Like when I launched my first mastermind, it was a $4,000 mastermind. I couldn't imagine having a $4,000 mastermind today because I got into that experience and I tried it on and tried on that pricing. It was my first mastermind, my first high ticket program, um, which we'll talk about in a second because I got a question about that too. And so I was trying it on. And then as I got more experienced, I sharpened my own skill sets. I got really masterful and clear on what I bring to the table. 
the amount of money that I was charging in exchange for that became clearer too, because I was more clear and more importantly, more confident in my skill set and what I was delivering and what I was bringing to the table. So I never think I'm charging a lot. I think I'm charging what makes sense for both people involved for me to show up at my highest and for them to still have a price that feels really, really good in exchange for the value that they're getting. Now, part two to that question was, do you feel like you have to deliver results when people are paying you a lot of money? Here's how I feel about that. I can never get someone results if they're not doing the work. So I could give them the strategy. I could give them the business plan. I could give them the embodiment practice. But if they are not taking it and implementing it and doing their part, which is partially showing up for what they invested in and what they paid for, but there's other work to be done that contributes to our success, right? And so if I have a client who's like executing the strategy to a T, but ignoring the embodiment tools and things that I've given her, then like there's only so much you can do. It's like whatever that old phrase is, you can lead the horse to water, but not make him drink it. So that's one element to me. I view my responsibility in agreements like this to show up and give you the tools and the roadmap and the strategy and the resources and the support and the context and the coaching that you need to succeed, but that's only 50% you have to bring the other 50% to the table. Now, the other thing I think about is I respect and appreciate and trust everyone's individual timeline. So going 30,000 feet above from a more philosophical point of view and a spiritual point of view, not everyone is meant to come in and get quick results. Some people still have healing to do. Some people still have embodiment work to do. Some people still have growing to do and experience to be had. And so I don't measure or compare one client's timeline to another because I know that if they're doing the work, which is their part, and they have the tools and the support that they need, which is my part, it's only a matter of time until they're successful. Might it in our three-month container together maybe that's certainly a possibility and there's so much potential for that but they might be meant to have their quantum leap nine months later or two years later and that's why I think even measuring the ROI of coaching and mentorship myself included with my own coaches I'm not looking for that like instant ROI when it comes to high level mentorship, because it's not like an input output. Like you put a dollar into my ATM and I spit you out $2 back every single time we have a call or talk on telegram or something like that. It's about helping you mold yourself into the woman you're becoming and embodying things on a consistent basis and changing your identity over time and making sure that as you're growing, your identity is evolving with that. And so there is a lot more ingredients to this recipe versus looking at it from a black and white perspective of you're charging a lot. So now I have to, have to deliver a result. Is your job to deliver the result or is your job to be the guide and the support system and provide the tools and the knowledge and the information for someone else to absorb and integrate and take and embody and run with so they can get the result for themselves? So question number two was, what did I feel the first time I ever sold high ticket? Now, I just mentioned the first high ticket program I ever sold was called, and this was a long-winded <laughs> name for this program, it was called 
the CEO Vibe Integration Mastermind. And I laugh and I giggle and I appreciate this version of myself so much because you can see how that root, that little seed that was planted, this was back in 2019, how that message has evolved. And guess what? I still have the CEO mastermind. It has evolved since that point. I am still talking about integrating identity and being the CEO of your life and taking ownership and leadership over your joy and your energy. Like all of those things have, have stayed with me and been the center of my work all of these years later. So that's always funny to look back on and see. But in 2019, that was the tipping point in my business where I was like, okay, I've been teaching mindset, manifestation, and energetics for just about a year now. And I'm really good at business and marketing. And I really want to bring those two things together, the energetics and the strategy, right? And so the CEO Vibe Integration Mastermind was born. And this was my first high ticket program because prior to that, the offers I was selling was like, I had a 497 program. I think I had a 297 program, a 797 program. I might've even had like a 997 program, but nothing that was like multiple thousands of dollars. And this was a three month mastermind for $4,000. And I, I took a really small cohort. I think I had like five or six people in it. And I just remember feeling so in my purpose and so confident selling this mastermind because I knew I was a coach. Like I just knew I loved to support women. I loved the intimacy that has stayed with me to this day. I knew that I loved mindset and manifestation. And I could teach about that and I could get people results because I had been getting people results. I knew that I could get people results in their business and their strategy because before starting my business and my job, I was getting people results in their strategy and I was getting myself results with their strategy. And so I was like, combining those two things just makes sense. And so the number that I was feeling into was $4,000. And I will never forget the first person who joined my first high ticket, first mastermind ever. She paid in full. She paid in full. And I just remember sitting there thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this was like, you know, potentially a month or two months worth of my normal business income coming in in one lump sum payment. Because at this time in my business, I was like teetering 10K months. I would have like a 3K month and then a 10K month and then a 4K month and then a 12K month. And so I was really like incrementally working on stabilizing five figure months at this time. And when that payment came through, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like collapsing time around money. And it felt so good. And that fueled me even more. But all of that to say is like, I think a lot of people have it backwards where they're like, I need to get behind this number. I need to get behind this price point in order to receive the things that I want. But I think the, the work is actually getting behind what you provide for someone, getting behind the journey that you can take someone through, getting behind even the detachment of what we just talked about, of not feeling this deep-seated, fearful obligation of having to, to do something for someone or to get them somewhere and then feeling like either you're charging too much or you're ripping them off or your program's not enough or you're not enough because they're not getting the result that they asked for. That's when things get really messy from an energetic point of view. And 
I, I want to talk more about this as we get into the rest of the questions, but you really have to think about what you're calling in and be mindful that what you're calling in is something that you feel really good and clean about. And so what I mean by that is if you're like, I want to sell um, a five figure package, I want to launch a $10,000 program but internally there's all of this conflict of like but what if i can't deliver a result and then what if someone's mad and then what if someone asks for their money back and what if i get canceled and what if i have to start over whatever that like mind spiral is if you're consciously like i want to make five figures for this program but then internally there's there's conflict that's actually preventing you from being a vibrational match to the thing that's the work that needs to be done you can charge five figures you can charge six figures you can charge seven figures like the number in which you're charging isn't the make or break detail it's how you feel about that which comes back to your confidence in your own mastery in your embodiment in your own work and feeling very clean exchanges between the people who are purchasing your programs and investing with you and knowing that you are not in control of getting somebody a result. There's only so much you can do as a course creator, as a teacher, as a mentor, as a leader, and you have to do your part of course, but you cannot ever control the result someone gets or doesn't get. So when it comes to charging high ticket and increasing your pricing and how did I feel? Well, I felt really good because I was very much behind what I was selling and the journey that I could take people on. I was very behind my own skill set and that makes a world of a difference, especially when we are in the realm of high ticket work. Okay, so this brings us to question number three. Do I ever feel funky energy around money? Do I ever feel like I need to offer discounts or extended payment plans when people are on the fence about working with? I feel like I can summarize this one really easily. I feel funky energy around money when I'm not fully trusting money to show up for me. And so I am rooted the belief at the end of the day that I'm taken care of. And there are so many ways for money to show up in my life, whether that's through expected pathways, my offers, what I'm launching at the time, or through unexpected pathways of people just discovering me and wanting to sign up for my highest thing or a post goes viral or I get a referral in, in ways that I couldn't see or predict coming. So I know the potentiality for money to show up in my life is exponential. It's unlimited. There are so many ways. There's an abundance of it all the time. And so I don't get caught up in when money doesn't come in the way that I was maybe anticipating it. It's why I don't stress out if I don't meet my launch goal or hit a certain number because I know that's only one specific pathway for money to come in. And at the end of the day, the belief isn't, I believe I can receive money and money can come in through this pathway. It's, I believe money shows up for me through expected and unexpected ways all of the time. So when the energy starts to get funky, it's because there's this fear or internal conflict coming up that is indicating to me that I'm not fully trusting. 
that fear that money isn't going to show up. That fear that spirals into if the money doesn't show up, what's the ripple effect from there, which is a spiral and a rabbit hole that is not useful or helpful. So I don't go down there, but I do recognize and realize, okay, I am not in a trusting energy around money and around receiving right now. So how do I shift that thing? And my favorite way to shift any perspective is to look for evidence where it's already happened because that's going to be the quickest and most impactful way to get your unconscious on board. And so I look at all of the different scenarios my entire life where money has always showed up. I've never gotten evicted. I've never gotten the power turned off. I've never not had a car to get somewhere. I've never not been able to buy groceries. Like even in the scariest, darkest, brokest seasons of my life, money has always showed up in some way, shape, or form. I know that to be true in my entire body. So when I can get myself congruent with that belief again, the funkiness around money dissolves and typically I'll get an idea, a download, a channeled message that will lead to me then taking action and embodying that thing and making money at the end of the day. Now the second part to this question was do I ever feel the need to offer discounts or payment plans when people are on the fence? I love to offer incentives into my work when it feels fun and playful for me. And so I do that, I offer those things as an energy energizer. Those are never things that I do out of obligation. Those are never things that I do because I think if I don't give a discount, someone's not gonna buy. I'm never relying on one of those incentive tactics to bring in the sale. I know that people are gonna wanna work with me either way. Do I think it's fun to make it easier for them? Of course, I love promotions, I love flash sales. I've always been someone who offers flexible payment plans and that feels really good to me. But I think, again, it's not about what you're doing on a conscious like 3D level, what's going on internally behind the scenes. Because again, if you're like, I wanna make all this money, I wanna charge five figures, but then internally there's conflict of, but I would have to give a discount or I would have to give some 27 month payment plan for my people to be afford that. If there's internal belief conflict, it's always going to fall flat. So you could be giving a great deal. You could be giving a great discount. You could be giving a great payment plan. But if you're giving it from a place of either lack or obligation, it's not going to work versus grounding yourself in your pricing, your flat baseline pricing, knowing that you can can offer a sale or a discount or a something when it's coming from a place of overflow, when it's coming from a place of joy and fun and excitement and alignment. And that's the difference. So again, it's like, we're really talking about what's going on behind the scenes in this entire conversation because it has nothing to do with the discount, the number, the payment plan, the whatever, but what is the frequency and intention and vibration that you're infusing into that discount and into that strategy that's gonna make or break it? Okay, question number four. How do you manage your money mindset when things aren't working or you don't hit your goals? How do you not bring desperate energy into your business? Okay, I have a few things that I wanna say about this one. When it comes to how do you not spiral, how do you manage your money mindset if you don't hit your goals, if you don't hit certain numbers? 
I go back to how I define success and I have a very holistic definition of how I view and feel success in my life and a very small percentage of how I define and feel success has to do with a certain number in a certain time frame. And so I view success for me as being able to spend every morning with my toddler and my husband and make them breakfast. I find success in the time freedom that I have, only having a three-day work week and not having a lot of calls on my calendar and having a very spacious schedule. I define success as having energy and being healthy and so I'm fueling my body with nutritious foods and I'm exercising and I'm moving and I'm getting sunlight and I'm laughing. All of those things contribute to how I measure success in my life. How kind I am, how honest I am, how embodied I am, those are all success markers for me. Do I hit pockets every now and again where I put my all into something and I don't hit a specific goal? Yeah, that happens every once in a while and every once in a while I'll feel a little sad about it for a moment and I will let myself feel sad about it for a moment without making it mean anything. I don't let that spiral me into like an era of doom and gloom, but I say I'm acknowledging my human experience. It is okay to feel sad that you didn't hit your goal and you put all this love into it. That's a normal human reaction, but I know the truth is that this doesn't make me unsuccessful it doesn't define me it doesn't touch my money mindset because I know that money is always going to show up for me whether it's through that path through that launch through that goal that I maybe hit or maybe didn't it's always going to show up regardless and the thing to think about at the end of the day is my lifestyle does not change if I hit a goal or not if I hit a milestone or not and I had this aha moment last year when I was at a retreat for a mastermind that I'm in and I was talking to Catherine Zinkina from Manifestation Babe and we were having this conversation. It was just like the light bulb clicked. We were doing this exercise. She was asking me like, what's your dream life and what does that look like and how do you step into it? And I opened my eyes and I looked at her and I was like, I'm living it now. I'm living it now. No amount of money would change my current lifestyle. I have that space. I'm making breakfast with my toddler. I'm working a three-day work week. I'm able to sit in on his speech sessions during the week. I'm in this mastermind. I'm invested in coaches. I have my health. Nothing about any of those things are going to change whether I hit this goal or not. And I think a lot of people think that if they don't hit a goal, it's like the light switch goes off and their life is just destroyed. And like I was saying earlier, like you're gonna get evicted and the power's gonna get shut off and da 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 da, da. Like you're going to the worst, most fearful place when the truth is if you don't hit your next goal or even your next three, five goals, your lifestyle is not gonna go from on to off overnight. So I don't stress over a goal because I'm living my dream life now and I'm very clear on how I define and measure success. And a part of that is money and finances, but it's not the whole part of it. And the last thing I have to say about this specific question is when it comes to hitting goals, I play the long game with my goals. And so sometimes I'll like chunk my goals up. And what that means is like, maybe I'll set a launch goal, but I also set a quarter goal. 
and I also set like a halfway year goal and I also set an annual goal and so like we're measuring a few different things at any given time because I know that it's not so granular and black and white of if I don't hit this launch goal then I'm not going to hit my quarter goal I'm not going to hit my annual goal I could be undercutting my launch goal over here but three months from now I could be 4xing the goal that I set out to do and it offsets that and so again I'm always trusting money to show up and it's never all my eggs are in this one specific thing one specific timeline one specific number or launch because that's really really restrictive the second part to that question that I want to touch on is how do you not bring desperate energy into your business? The entity of my business is something that I energetically protect at all costs. So if I know that I'm feeling fearful or I'm in scarcity or I'm in fight or flight, I'm not touching my business. I am not brainstorming, I am not strategizing, I am not creating, I am not posting because I wouldn't dare infuse that into my business. And if it was to a point where I was constantly feeling desperate and not just feeling desperate because I think you can feel desperate and not actually be desperate. Like I work with women all the time who are not in reality desperate for money. They have money, but the feeling is desperation and fear of what if I lose it all? What if it's not enough? What if I can't make more? So that's kind of the first thing. Like, are you actually desperate looking in your bank account? Like things are scary and dark or are you okay? But things are feeling desperate because if you are in a reality where things are desperate and you're like, if I don't make a sale, I can't pay my bills. I can't pay my rent or my electric or whatever. Then if it was me, what I would do is I would get a stable source of income because I think when you're building your business on a really shaky, activated nervous system, it's going to be so much harder. It's going to take so much longer. So if I was to the point where I couldn't pay for my basic needs and I was relying on my business to make that happen, I'd be getting some sort of other side hustle or temporary job or bring in money in some other form so I could get my energy right, so I could get my basic needs taken care of, so my nervous system feels safe, so I could show up with the best energy possible in my business. So that's if your reality is in a desperate place. Now, if your feelings are in a desperate place, then you can shift the feeling. And so that is what I do when I'm feeling, you know, scarce or fearful or whatever the case may be. I shift my energy. I go back to the evidence. I go back to the truth. I go back to my beliefs. I get really embodied in the things that I believe. I go back to my definition of success. I go back to how I trust money to show up for me. I remind myself who I am. I remind myself that it always shows up and that I'm not actually desperate. And I look at my bank account and I say, we're actually Actually, okay there's nothing to panic and freak out about I get myself in a lighter state of being and then I'll go to the drawing board of okay what do we want to do how do we want to create a little bit of a cash injection which is another question that I was asked so the next question is what do you do when you need a cash injection do you have any like go-to practices or strategies or things that you do the number one thing I do when I feel like I need a cash injection is I get my energy into a state of play and ease. So I think about 
what would be a really fun way to make money? What would be a really easy way to make money? And I start with, with the fun because sometimes it's like this download comes through, I have an idea for like a one-off masterclass or an upgrade for a program that already exists or something like that, where it's like, okay, I want to like create something fresh and do something fun and that feels really good. Let me bring this to life. Now, other times it's like I'm in a place where I don't necessarily want to create something new or I don't have the bandwidth to create something new. So I look for how to make money in an easy way. Meaning, do I have clients into a program that are already clients of mine that might want to upgrade into something else? I will look at the vault of things that I've already created. Do I have past masterclasses? Do I have a course I could put on sale? Do I have a bundle that I could create? Do I have something that I haven't talked about in a while? I have so much content that I've created in the last near six years of being in business, there's for sure got to be something that I can leverage and refresh and bring back to life for a cash injection. So what feels really fun to me? And then secondary, what feels really easy to me? And I work with that energy and I work with those options because I know if I'm in a position where I need a cash injection, I cannot afford to be frantic, to act urgently, to be scattered and create and launch and sell from that place. So I keep it really light. I keep it focused on playfulness and fun and enjoyment and leverage and ease. And the cash injection is created from that vortex of energy that I'm very purposeful about maintaining. But the second part to this is detachment. Anytime that a client is coming to me and they're like, I need a cash injection. It has to be from the mindset and energy of overflow. A cash injection is an injection that was not planned in comparison to what you already have coming in, right? So even if you only, air quotes, only sell one masterclass from your flash sale, that's still overflow because it's still more than what you were already banking on if you didn't pop up the flash sale. So the biggest mistake I see women making when it comes to cash injection is the, the mindset and like the negative energy around it not being enough. The cash injection has to give me 20K, it has to sell out, it has to change my life, it has to drop five figures into my bank account. And there's this attachment. So if they sell one or if they sell three or if they sell five or if they sell 10, it's like rooted in this unappreciative energy of like, this isn't a cash injection or I only made $200 versus oh my God, I made an extra $200. Like, what am I gonna do with this cash injection and this overflow access extra $200 that just yesterday I did not have, but today I do have, and it feels so good and it feels so light and it feels so expansive and I'm so grateful for it. How do I amplify this? It's the energy that you infuse into the thing and it's the energy that you maintain versus the strategy or whatever you're selling, the tactic itself. This is such a fun style episode. If you guys like the Q&A style episodes, let me know and we can definitely do more of these on different themes and topics. Okay, the next question that came in was, I want to track all of my income, but I fear it's scarcity mindset. What are your thoughts on this? I think about a relationship. I think about the relationship with my husband actually comes to mind. And there is a difference between me checking in on him from almost like a nagging energy, a controlling energy of like, 
hey, how are you? How was your day? Are you mad? Are you sure you're not mad at me? Um, I, I, I thought you were gonna do the dishes, but when are you gonna do the dishes? I thought you were gonna do them earlier. Like this like micromanaging lack of trust, lack of allowing support, lack of allowing me to be held versus, okay, he said he was gonna do the dishes. I trust he's gonna do the dishes. Like I don't need to check in in that way. He said he was gonna show up for me in this way. I don't have to nag and micromanage. There's a different energy between that and coming up to him and giving him a hug and say, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. I love you so much. I'm just checking in. How's your day today? How are you doing? Can I support you with anything, right? Two different pathways. Same situation, but one of them is rooted in I don't trust you. This is urgent. This is frantic. This is controlling. This is micromanaging. And the other one is rooted in genuine care and interest and intimacy. I believe it is important to be intimate with your numbers. I think it is important to track your sales. I think it is important to know what you have coming in and reoccurring revenue. I think it's so important for you to know your profit margins and when you're releasing money, where is it going and how much is going. And so you're not tracking your money from a nagging energy of like, you said I was gonna be making this much and oh my gosh, this payment's coming in here and I'm spending money here and this feels frantic and it feels chaotic and how do I track it so I can control it versus this feels really good to be intimate with you in this way. It feels really good to know this. It feels very empowering for me to have a pulse on this information, whether the numbers look the way that I want them to or not. I'm so grateful to know you and to connect with you in this way. And I think having a pulse on your numbers is the most abundant magnetic thing that you can do because that is showing money that you're not afraid to get up close and personal. You're not afraid to spend time with money. You're not afraid afraid to know your money. You're not afraid to know your numbers. When you can become really comfortable and really intimate with your numbers, that is when they grow. I have an amazing money team. I have an amazing CFO. I have an amazing accountant. They keep track of my numbers for me and their different systems, but we have our very own internal tracking system where we keep track of the numbers so we don't have to wait until the next month or the next couple of weeks to get the reports on the following month. I love to have that intimate touch point as we're going through the month. That feels really expansive for me. Now the last couple questions I have on my list here, I feel like they all blend into one another and it's really a conversation on energetic minimums and maximums. And so the questions that came in were one, can you talk about energetic minimums? The second one was how can I think bigger without shocking my nervous system? And the last question here was how do I increase my wealth thermostat? Love the way that she worded this. How do I increase my wealth thermostat when you're used to having a certain number or amount in your bank account. Okay, so let's get into this and let's start with energetic minimums. I would define an energetic minimum by the thing that you entertain or expect. And so an energetic minimum in terms of finances is maybe like, I can't imagine making less than whatever it is, right? I can't imagine making less than $10,000. There's just no reality in my mind where I'm even entertaining a different reality. There's no 
there's no energy or power when I think about making less than 10K that could ever exist. It's just, we, we don't do that. Like that is foreign. I don't even know what that feels like. So your energetic minimum is like, it's the thing that you don't even entertain bouncing below, right? Your energetic minimum. Your energetic minimum also shows you what you believe. And so if you're getting quiet and getting honest with yourself about what your minimums are, you might realize, you know, I say my energetic minimum is 10K, but I entertain a story and a reality that I only make 3K a month. And then we'll, okay, worst case scenario, well, what if I make 5K a month? How can I shift things around? How can I make that back? It's the expectancy you are expecting or entertaining that you're going to make less. So your minimum isn't actually 10K. It's the reality at the lowest point in which you can entertain. And being honest with yourself about what that point is, is a game changer. So we have the energetic minimum of like, this is the baseline. This is the baseline. I can't expect having any less than this. I know that I'll always have this at the base. We also have our energetic maximums, or some people call them upper limits, where they're like, I can't imagine making more than this or having more than this. And so we have this threshold <laughs> that we're playing in, in any given moment, where you have your energetic minimum, you have your energetic maximum, and where are you hanging out in this range, right? Now, when we're talking about raising our wealth thermostat or increasing our upper limit, like we were talking about earlier in this episode, it's about getting to the root of the internal conflict that is unconsciously preventing you from breaking through that upper limit. So again, if you're like, I consciously know I want this thing over here, but I have a fear in the back of my mind or I have an internal conflict about the way that it's gonna play out that I'm resisting it, then there's work to be done on cleaning up that conflict. Sometimes it's about the way your offer is structured. Sometimes it's around your pricing. Sometimes it's around how you're selling, but you have to get to the root of what is the noise, what is the story, what is the fear of if I break through this level, then this thing is gonna happen over here. And I had a CEO mastermind call a couple weeks ago and we were actually doing a upper limit workshop. And one of the things that came up for one of my clients who I love and adore, and it was amazing to witness her and her breakthrough. And she said, I realize an upper limit for me is that I'm actually afraid if I make the money that I wanna make, then I'll have to quit my job and that feels scary to release the sense of security. And we were all like just in awe. It's like, of course you haven't made that money yet because if you have a conflict of what that is going to lead to or the ripple effect that that is going to have, then the universe and energetically, you're gonna be blocked until that thing is clear. Cleaned up. When it comes to upper limits, it's also really important to have the infrastructure and the systems to support what you're calling in. And so if you're like, this program is the program I want to take to the moon, I want 100 students 
to come into my program. My question to you is, do you have the system to support 100 students? Do you have the customer service to support 100 students? Do you have the email software subscription package that you need to email 100 students? Is everything behind the scenes ready to support the volume that you're calling in? Or if 100 students drop in your lap today, does your business start to break down? Do things start to get overwhelming and messy and your team is overloaded and you have angry customers? Because if that's the case, the universe is gonna come in as a protection, a defense mechanism for you to keep you safe, to say, we're not gonna give you 100 students even though you want the students, you want the money. You don't have the infrastructure to have it in a way that's going to feel good and supportive for you. It's actually gonna cause things to come crashing down and we don't want that. So sometimes we are not getting the things that we want as a form of protection from God himself until we get our, our belief system and our business infrastructure in a place to support that volume and the thing that we want. You hear a lot of people talk about what you're energetically available for and like an energetic minimum. Well, I'm just not available for anything less than five figures. And you're like, that's great and cool and fine. But what the fuck does that mean? So when I think about what I am or am not available for, for me, that means what am I willing to entertain? What am I giving thought real estate to? What story is playing out in the back of my mind? What what if situation am I spending the most time and energy thinking about? We say things like spend time and spend energy because you are spending time and energy. You're either spending it in places that you want or places that you don't. So when I say I'm unavailable to make less than five figures a month, I don't entertain any reality that that is not true. I do not spend any time or any energy or any mental real estate going down the rabbit hole of what it would look like to make less than $10,000 a month and what would have to happen and what would that feel like. All of a sudden, I'm spending precious, energetic real estate buying into a storyline that I don't want to happen. And so at this point, I've trained my mind to instantly reject that. Like we don't want it. We're just not paying attention to it. We're not entertaining it as a possible reality. We're just unavailable for it completely versus going down that rabbit hole and entertaining the spiral of really scary what ifs. What if it doesn't work? What if I lose money? What if I'm embarrassed? What if this? What if that? What if everything comes crashing down? What if I can't get it back? What if, it, what if I have to get a job? What if my husband is mad? What if blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, those things become your energetic minimums because you're entertaining them because there is a reality out there that you believe could manifest into your life versus entertaining the other side of the coin, your upper limits, increasing your capacity without shocking your nervous system is entertaining the other stream of what ifs. What if this changes my life? What if it goes better than I could have ever imagined? What if God has a better plan? 
what if instead of making 10K a month, I was making 100K a month? What if I was making 200K a month? What would that look like? What would that feel like? Who would I need to become in order for that to happen? Those are two different situations, two different energies, two different embodiments, two different minimums, two different maximums. And it all starts with training your mind to be so intentional in its filter system of what you're going to pay mental attention to. Most of us spend most of our time entertaining the situations that we don't want, going down the what if rabbit hole of situations we don't want and we are spending very 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 little not enough time entertaining the other side of the coin of our upper limits of what if it's double what if it's better what if it's easier and more fun than i could have ever imagined what if i break this record what if i crash through that glass ceiling what does it feel like to break my upper limit and then as you do that as you train yourself this is identity work over time then you'll realize oh i want to make a hundred thousand dollars a month that's a really fun reality that I'm entertaining. That's my upper limit. Now I'm having fear of what if I'm making a hundred thousand dollars a month and my friends treat me different or my family treats me different or like you'll have the internal conflict come up. Okay, now time to clear that out. It is this constant work and evolution and energetic strategy to make sure that your range, that minimum, that maximum threshold is continuously and steadily increasing and you're doing the work to rearrange things and change the behavior and be very, very precise about what story you're entertaining and what reality you're expecting. And that really to me is energetic minimum and maximum work. I loved this episode. I loved answering your questions. I love that you felt so much a part of this episode with me. The only thing that could have made this better is if you were all in, in my podcasting room right now actually asking me the questions and being here with me, but this feels like a very, very close second. What a great episode that you can plug into on money mindset and wealth energetics at any time that you want. So I hope you have a great rest of your week and I will see you in the next episode. That's a wrap for this week's episode. As always, I'm your host, Taylor Slango, and I appreciate every time you listen to the Harmonizing Her podcast. It's my mission for this show to be a catalyst that empowers women to break out of their boxes and stop trying to niche down who they are. Make sure to stay connected by subscribing to the show, connecting with me on Instagram at Taylor Slango, and going to taylorslango.com forward slash podcast to subscribe to the Harmonize Weekly newsletter where I'll drop the latest episode and a few extras in your email every week.